Welcome to Contemplate, a Bible teaching ministry of Pastor David Robinson and brought to you by Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 today and beginning to learn the importance of standing strong in our faith no matter what. Here's Pastor David. There was a coach for Auburn football for a long time. His name was Suge Jordan. And uh, he, was, he was a coach for, I think he's the winningest coach of all time at Auburn, for those of you who are big college football fans. And he had a former linebacker that had played for him, a guy named Mike Collin. He was playing for the Dolphins, and, and Suge wanted Mike to help him recruit get some guys for the Auburn football squad. And so he goes to Mike and he says, look, I want you to recruit some guys, some football players for me. And, and Mike says, okay, what kind of players do we want, coach? And the coach says, you know the kind of guy that gets knocked down and stays down? Mike says, yeah, yeah, we don't want that kind of guy, do we, coach? He says, no, no, we don't. He says, you know the kind of guy that gets knocked down but get back, gets back up. But then he gets knocked down again and this time he stays down. Mike says, yeah, coach, we don't want that kind of guy either, do we? And Suge says, no, Mike, that's not what we want. But then he says this, you know the kind of guy that gets knocked down, then gets up and then gets knocked down again, but he gets back up, he gets knocked down again, and he gets back up, and every time he gets knocked down, he gets back up. Mike says, yeah, coach, that's the kind of guy we want, don't we? Suge said, no, Mike, we want the guy who's knocking everybody down. It's true. Um, that's who we want to be, right? We want to be the person knocking everybody down. We want to be the winner. That's the way that, that we look. Everything in the world tells us that winners are the best. Winners are the best. We want to be on top. Nobody is out there rooting for their team to almost win. You know, or to, or to lose, right? Nobody is walking into their driver's test. I'm thinking about this because um, my kids are both that age. My son's going to be taking that test in, this year. And nobody walks in there thinking, I, I hope that I hit another car, never get my license, and my parents can drive me in on my dates, right? That's not, that's not what we want to have happen. We don't think I want to lose. We don't think I want to lose. We want to win. My grandfather used to say that he'd rather be rich and healthy than poor and sick. That was his joke. That's, you know, you don't find it funny, that's fine, but that's the kind of jokes that I grew up with. So when I do something cheesy, just remember there's a long line, hereditary line, as those of you who know my dad already knew, um, of those kinds of things. But we like to spend a lot of time avoiding pain, right? Avoiding pain seeking after safety and security and health and wealth. And there are some people who want to sell you Jesus like the world sells hot dogs and beer and cars and and fast food and deodorant and stocks and all the things that we buy. Some people want to sell Jesus in that same way. Jesus will make you happy and healthy and rich and you'll avoid pain and you'll have more friends and you'll be taller and you'll be thinner and you'll be more beautiful. You just follow Jesus, right? And, and for people who follow Jesus for those reasons, because somebody sold Jesus to them that way, there's this unsaid bargain. An unsaid bargain is struck in the person's mind, a quid pro quo, which just means something for something, 
right? If I follow Jesus, I get stuff now. I get stuff now, whether that stuff is more money or happier life or whatever it is, whatever it is in their mind that says following Jesus means I get this stuff. That's the idea that they have. The idea is that God blesses and that those blessings are about here and now and generally they have dollar signs and and health and things like that attached to them. That that's what Jesus is about. That's what's being sold to some people. This uh, line of thinking is that we are supposed to be the ones knocking everybody down. Right? We're the winners, and that's what following Jesus is about, is about winning in the world's wisdom. We don't get knocked down. We don't suffer. Or if we do suffer, it's probably because you have some sort of hidden sin or you don't have enough faith, some sort of karma nonsense type thing, right? But you shouldn't suffer if you're a Christian. You shouldn't get sick. You shouldn't suffer or be persecuted or have anything like that happen to you because following Jesus is one big game, right? There are people who believe that we're going to create some sort of Christian nation that's going to usher in the kingdom of God. That that's, that that's the kind of winners we are. And if you know many people who have that kind of political philosophy, you'll know that you wouldn't want very many of them to be the leaders in this nation that they're talking about making. But that's not what God has promised us, right? He hasn't promised us that winning means getting what we want now, getting stuff now, right? That, but that philosophy is infecting believers all over the world. In fact, in Honduras, when we go to Honduras, one of the biggest things we deal with is this prosperity gospel, is this idea that following Jesus gives you stuff. You have the poorest people that you'll probably ever see, for those of you who go with us, that are there, who we're trying to serve, and then there's somebody down the street who wants to tell them that following Jesus is going to make them rich. Now, that's a tough thing to compete with, right? But it's wrong, and it's hurtful, And it causes all kinds of problems. But we do it here in the United States too, right? Americans, after all, are winners, right? We're the big guy on the street. I think the sort of American value is winning is above all else. It's big to us. But what if that's not the gospel? What if following Jesus has nothing to do with winning in life in the way that most people define that term. What would make it hard for us to make disciples except that? Having to say it's not about winning, right? It's a lot easier to sell. It's a lot easier to make disciples if you say we're going to give you pleasure and there's going to be no fear and there's going to be no pain and you're going to be rich and you're going to be popular now, right? You're going to win in life. That's an easier thing to sell to people if you want to make disciples. This diet You eat whatever you want, you'll lose five pounds a week. Yeah. That one doesn't work. (laughs) FYI. Been trying it for years. Use this body spray. You see these ones, right? Use this body spray, young men, and all the girls will want to date you. How's that working out, youngsters? Right? Still got to take a shower, trying to tell you. These kids. Buy this sneaker and you can jump like Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks kind of like Michael Jordan when I jump, just much lower. Right? But we're called to make disciples for Christ, so don't we need to dress it up a little bit? Don't we need to make it attractive to the people who are out there who want stuff now? Don't we need an answer for them, for Jesus? But here's the thing. If we give into that temptation, which many people have done, 
If we give in to that temptation, we're not building strong Christ followers. We're lying. And we're preparing people for extra pain and frustration in a life that already is difficult. And Paul and Silas and Timothy dealt with this in the Thessalonian church. We've been in this series rooted. We've been going through 1 Thessalonians. And we're back in 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 3 today. If you have your Bibles, grab them. If, if you don't have one, there's, there's some in the seats in the pockets in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with you. That's yours. That's our gift to you. Um, but go ahead and, and get into chapter 3 here. And if you remember... Uh, Paul's talking about how they miss the Thessalonian church, the people there, and they want to go see them. He's expressing his love for them. He's talking about the way they loved him when they were there. And then we come to chapter 3, and he goes a little further. He says this, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. They were experiencing afflictions. They were experiencing persecution. They were experiencing suffering. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. To what? To afflictions, to suffering. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. They couldn't stand it anymore. They needed to know how the Thessalonians were doing. So they sent Timothy to them to find out. They wanted Timothy to kind of continue the work they had done. Remember, they had not been there long. They had worked with this church. People had come to know Jesus. People believed on his name. They believed in the resurrection. They followed Jesus, but they hadn't had a ton of time because they basically had got run out of town, right? They had to go. And so they're concerned. They love these people. They're worried about it. And so they send Timothy back. Go check on these folks. Go check on these folks because we've only been able to give them so much instruction, not as much as we had, would have liked to. But here's the thing. They had given one important instruction, that he tells us here. They had told the Thessalonian church that suffering was part of following Jesus Christ. They had told them that. The Thessalonians had been persecuted and were suffering. Paul wrote, just as we read it there, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Why? You shouldn't be shaken, for you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. Who? People who follow Christ are appointed to suffering. For in fact, we told you before, they obviously had told them this and instructed them in this, and you've seen it happen. What we told you is going to happen has happened. That is why Timothy was there. He was there to find out whether the suffering that came that they knew would come, that they told them would come, had caused them to fall away from the faith. They wanted to know whether these Thessalonian believers had walked away when things got tough. See, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they knew what persecution was like. Really, no question about that. They knew suffering. When Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus and believed on him, then he was sent to Damascus, and a guy named Ananias was called by the Lord to go and baptize Paul. And Ananias was like, mm, I've heard about this guy. He's putting people in jail. He's persecuting, killing, doing all the rest. This is a bad guy. He is, he is angry with Christians. 
He doesn't like those who call on the name of Christ. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to have to go do this. And this is what he says. But the Lord said to him, this is verse 9, this is chapter 9, verse 15 and 16 out of Acts. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul was going to suffer for the name of the Lord. That was the plan from the beginning. From the beginning. It's like, hey, you want to sign up for this? Yeah, I'll sign up for that. What's, what do we get here? You get to suffer. All right, that sounds great. Let's do that. It's quite a sales pitch, right? But that was it from the beginning. He was going to suffer many things, and Paul did suffer many things. So he had a big background in suffering. So when Paul and Silas and Timothy told the Thessalonians that suffering would happen, they knew what they were talking about wasn't any question about it. And it was not just the Thessalonians. Paul knew throughout his ministry that the mark of the Christ follower is suffering for the name of Jesus, that it will happen. It will happen. John chapter 15, starting at verse 18. Let's look at what we see here. If the world hates you, you know, this is Jesus talking, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Jesus told us, what it was going to mean to follow him. He told his disciples, that's you and me if you're a Christ follower, that persecution and suffering were part of following him, that the world is going to hate his disciples. Then Paul and Silas and Timothy, they had told the Thessalonian church the same thing. And now they were looking to know whether the suffering that came caused the Thessalonians to falter in Christ, following Christ, to falter in their faith. Let's see what actually happened. We'll read verse 6, chapter 3. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Good news. They had kept their faith. They had continued to follow Christ. They weren't mad at Paul and Silas and Timothy. They loved them and desired to see them, even though they had faced all this difficulty. What a relief to these men who had suffered for the Lord to bring the good news to the Thessalonians, that so many of them would come to know Christ, that their work in the Lord was not in vain, that the Thessalonians stayed in the faith. Next couple verses here, seven and eight. Therefore, brethren... In all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. He writes here of their comfort. Their comfort at finding out that the Thessalonians stood fast. Their faithfulness, the Thessalonians' faithfulness through their suffering encouraged Paul and the others in the Lord. It gave, as he puts it here, life to them to know that their work among the Thessalonians had been blessed by God. 
and that they had stayed faithful. Gave them life. We're going to come back to that point later. You know, it goes without saying that we check on our investments, right? We check on our investments. If you have, if you are blessed enough to have stocks and bonds and a 401k and all that kind of stuff, you check on it, right? From time to time, if not more often, some of you are like, "Mm, what's my Bitcoin doing right now? You know, you guys doing that kind of thing? You check on it, right? Why? Because you've put something of value somewhere, you, you paid the price, you went to work, you did the job, you earned the money, you put it somewhere, and you want to see that your investment is growing, right? So you're going to check on that investment. See if your efforts, working hard and investing well, are paying off, if they're being rewarded. Well, as believers, as Christ followers, we invest in people. We invest in people. We invest in something much more valuable than just money and stocks and so on. And we put in something much more valuable. We invest our lives. We invest our lives. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We pray for each other. We take care of each other. When one of us is sick, we teach each other. We learn from each other. We lend to one another. We forgive one another. We hope for one another. We forbear each other's nonsense. Right? That's one of the hard ones. We spend time with one another. We spend our lives for one another, investing in each other. That is what these men, Paul and Silas and Timothy, had done for the Thessalonian church and for so many others. They had poured themselves out for them. And that's why Paul wanted so much to know what was going on, what was happening with these people. He was checking on his eternal investment, his eternal investment in these people. He had spent himself. He loved these people, and he wanted to know about the fruit. Was the fruit there? Would they get to see the fruit? If the Thessalonians had faded away from their commitment to Christ, if they had walked away then Paul was was thinking, feeling like he would have spent himself in vain. Like he would have done all of that and it wouldn't have been for anything. To find out that they were still in the faith, and more than that, that they were thriving and had love for Paul and Silas and Timothy was incredible. It was like a breath of fresh air. It was literally life to their tired, broken, spent bodies to know that they had stood strong, that the Holy Spirit had given them the power to make it through that suffering and that tribulation. We all face struggles of one sort or another, and the good news is that the Holy Spirit also wants to help you with whatever you might be going through right now. And if we can help, call us at 360-885-9000 or come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Get all the info you need at axechurchnw.org. Hope to meet you real soon. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out Part 2 for much more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.